I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, and it's time for another installment of our series, The Sounds of America. This month and next, we're celebrating some of the audio recordings added to the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress this year. Each has been picked for their aesthetic, historical, or cultural importance to society. This doesn't necessarily mean they originated in America or that they were created by Americans, but they've had some significant impact on American culture or history. Today, we profile the British pop duo, the Eurythmics, best known for their 1983 hit, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. And to tell the story of Sweet Dreams, we begin with the artists themselves. Hi there, I'm Annie Lennox. I'm a singer, songwriter, member of Eurythmics. Hi, I'm Dave Stewart from Eurythmics, and our song is Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. One of the reasons Sweet Dreams came about was a little bit of my frustration of not being able to engineer and produce and do everything needed to sort of get what's in your head onto some recording device. When Eurythmics broke through, I think people in the UK were probably more familiar with their history than we were in America. I'm Jillian Garr, and I'm the author of She's a Rebel, The History of Women in Rock and Roll. David Annie had had a completely different band before that, The Tourists, and they had a kind of a smallish hit with a cover of I Only Want to Be With You by Dusty Springfield. And in The Tourists, it was a great way for Annie and I to play so many shows and learn how to play in front of big audiences. But we didn't write any songs in The Tourist at all. And it was in Australia where it all fell apart. Of course, during The Tourist era, they were a couple. And even though they broke up, they decided to keep working together because they each recognized something in the other that helped the two of them work together. You can't manufacture the chemistry between Annie and Dave. It's just something that seems to generate such entrancing creative work. My name is Arwa Hader. I'm a London-based music and culture writer. There was an intimacy to what they did and they didn't undermine each other in any way. And I think that equality was so rare when they first emerged, but I think set a really important and inspiring example to subsequent generations of artists. Annie's a genius writer, vocalist, lyricist. She has all these attributes. And we complemented each other in this musical way because we both were fascinated with music, but we both knew how to do different things. When we got back to England, we created Eurythmics and went to the guy who became my mentor in Germany, Connie Planck. And we made our first album in the garden. It was very experimental. Connie just allowed us to experiment with crazy 
ideas. And he also taught me about the studio and the desk and microphones. And he let me see how there is no rules. That was the big thing. He was saying, there's no rules. Come on, we can put a microphone in the barn or down the well or whatever. And let's see what that sounds like. I was so blown away and excited that I went to this little shop in Camden Town. I bought a little synthesizer called a Roland SHO-1. I was so excited about this. It was just such a tiny setup, but nobody was bothering me. And so I called Annie on the telephone and I played her down the phone. I think I played a thing which became the walk. And I was explaining, you know, we could do this ourselves. And she got excited on the phone. And I realized it was a bit more complicated. We needed to get a bit more equipment and we needed a space. Dave and I were absolutely poor. <laughs> we had no money at all to speak of. We had cut out pictures of everything we needed. And I said, well, let's go to the bank manager. And Annie was like, what? Because we looked like aliens at this point. Dave put on a suit, wore a shirt and tie, and had a briefcase with some examples of the music that we'd already made. And he went to see the bank manager, Jeff. And we sat in his office, and he obviously at first was a bit like, not sure about these two, you know? And I started talking, and then I brought out the pictures and explained how much a normal studio costs and what it's compared to if we bought this stuff. We could actually record ourselves. And he believed in it, and he lent us, the bank lent us £3,000, which was a small fortune. What that meant was we were facilitated to go and buy the equipment, and Dave actually purchased a small drum machine that was kind of more of a prototype. You couldn't actually play it. You had to sort of, like, type in orders for it to do things. So I had to do a lot of experimenting, which was obviously for Annie waiting, you know, and... We had some moments in there where it was desperation, like nothing works. When you try to make music, you can't think, I'm going to make money, I'm going to be famous, everybody's going to know us, everything's going to be a success. It doesn't work like that. And success very often follows a lot of failure. And it was one of those moments, Annie was lying on her back and she was at a point where she was thinking, mm, Nothing is going to work and we might be crazy. This is all experimental beyond and what are we going to do? And no money, money's running out, everything is... You know, she was feeling really down in general. And I suddenly got this drum machine to work with a great big boom. And Annie leapt up off the floor because it was very loud as well. And I had a little tiny synthesizer, the same one, the Roland SHO one, going do 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 Annie started playing the riff against the drums and against the sequencer. And you put the two together with just a bass drum. And it's so infectious that we started celebrating. And then Annie just came out of the blue, just went. Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world and the seven seas. Everybody's looking for something. 
It was great, but it was just going round and round and round. I was thinking it needs a bit in the middle, like an uplifting bit. So I suggested have it going up, like hold your head up. We had milk bottles, had water, and we would pour it into. We had them tuned, and then Annie played on the synth. This great little. The record label at the time in England, they didn't really understand it. We remember them going, "Where's the chorus?" And we were going, "Well, it's kind of like all a chorus." So they released about three songs off the album before "Sweet Dreams," but it was only through a DJ in America got a copy of the album vinyl on import or something, and he was just playing that track, and he said all the phones would light up and go crazy. So he kept. Ringing RCA in America, the record label, and saying, "Listen, this band, The Earth Mix, it's blowing up. You've got to do something." And they were going, "We don't have any band called The Earth Mix." And then they realised it was Eurythmics, and they hurriedly got it distributed all over the place. Coming soon on cable, your stereo and TV unite to bring you video music in stereo. I do remember the exact moment that I first heard "Sweet Dreams Are Made of This," and I must have been about seven years old at the time. I was sitting on the floor of our lounge in Kakodi in Scotland, and I was watching their video on television. MTV Music Television in stereo—you'll never look at music the same way again. And it just hit me like a thrilling shock to the system, but also something that immediately resonated with me. so beautiful as well as strange and you had this very imperious sounding but very catchy electronic soulful track and this duo who looked and sounded unlike anything else that I had experienced at that point in time. I think sometimes adults forget that a child's eye view of the world is still complex and strange and it can be foreboding at times and you know just the whole atmosphere and delivery and the imagery of the record completely seized my imagination. They weren't just musicians, they saw themselves as artists and they weren't just interested in music, they were interested in film and fashion and visual art and all these other things and what better way to bring all that together than in a video. I've always been very attracted to surrealism and impressionism and so to me, it was this is a way of showing how strange this world is. You're in like this typical corporate office boardroom, but there's a woman in a man's suit with cropped hair. Annie Lennox just looking glorious with this cropped orange hair and these sort of piercing eyes and this incredible voice. And Dave Stewart, her partner, just looking enigmatic and cool as well. He's got really scraggly hair, you know, he's obviously not an executive either. And then a cow is walking through. Sweet dreams are made of the I remember actually the label, one person said, but why do you have a cow in it? Annie's such a beautiful girl. And like, what happened to her hair, you know? You just didn't see women looking that androgynous in such a mainstream setting. Having a female-male duo that were absolutely equals 
that presented images of beauty and multiplicity that were not conforming to whatever formulas or standards of what male and female artists were supposed to look like made not fitting in seem absolutely liberating. We were breaking quite a few molds musically and in every way. And Annie wanted to be not perceived as like, oh, this girl who's singing a song. It's like, no, I'm a deadly serious lady who has something to say. Now, although the 1980s was a really fruitful era for pop music, it was also extremely conservative in terms of the way that mainstream media operated around that. So artists that didn't conform, and particularly artists that played around with androgyny, as Eurythmics did from the outset, were sort of treated in a way that was quite salacious. You know, there was a term that the media used a lot back in the day, gender bending, which was actually always used with a nasty undercurrent. There were always misogynistic and homophobic elements to the way that that was used. So there was a real fascination, I think, from the mainstream with these artists, but I think it was also extremely challenging to be different. And so that made what Eurythmics were doing. And the fact that they were having huge hits, you know, on an international scale made it so much more of an achievement, I think. Sweet Dreams Are Made Of This was a wry comment on the situation that Dave Stewart and I found ourselves in. The music industry is a beast and it doesn't suffer fools gladly and it has no compassion particularly and it sees artists as products and it's become more and more that way. It's a very ironic lyric. Is this what humans really think is the dream life? When you write songs, it's a little bit like launching a boat, setting it out to sea. You don't actually know if it's going to make it to the other shore on the other side and what's going to happen with the weather and all these things. You never actually know how people are going to accept it, how they're going to see it. People are going to interpret it in their way. I love the way that people have identified with it and that it's lasted and keeps being reinvented. It keeps coming back and people keep loving it. It's a miracle to me because I had no idea at the time that we were creating it that it was ever going to have this kind of lineage ahead of it. Every time Annie and I performed it in any country in the world, it felt fresh. It's lasted because it expresses a yearning and the lyrics themselves, each line really is pretty universal. Everybody's looking for something, that yearning for something better. It still has this electrifying quality. You know, wherever you hear it on, 
on the radio, on the dance floor sound system, it just completely seizes you and it's just phenomenal. We don't actually write songs as songwriters. It's just like waiting for the moment where the song comes in and writes through you. It is about everyone having a dream of realizing their own destiny, their own fate, their own future, in their own way. The story behind Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics, a song which was added to the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress this year. We heard from Eurythmics members Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart, along with writers Jillian Garr and Arwa Hader. The Sounds of America is produced by Jenny Cataldo of Accompany Studios. This program is produced by WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon. This is 1A.